1: going have a little party do a dance wherever you're at if you're on the train you're at the office wherever you're at you're at home do a little dance feel good about yourself welcome to the Winkley I am your host uh the managing editor for Wrestling Inc Nick Hausman back here with another episode of the Winkley and I'm joined here as I am just about every Tuesday by my good friend Michael Weissman Michael welcome back to the Winkley
0: Thank you, Nick. It's uh, good to be here. It's fall. It feels great outside. I hung out with some horses this weekend, Um, one that looked just like little Sebastian. It had to be his doppelganger. So, man, I am feeling good.
1: Oh, man. Well, it was bound for glory weekend here in Chicago. And I'm going to hold off on telling you exactly how that tied into my weekend. But I had a real not no horses, though. I'm a little jealous that you got to spend time with horses. Big, big animal person.
0: Those, those horses were fantastic. They were amazing, and it was um, a nice, relaxing weekend. You know, nobody came out and found me, though. I told you guys if
1: you would come and find me, sure. um, you would get a reward, oh. and nobody found me. Uh, I did find you. <laughs> did you? Yeah. You didn't know, but I found oh. you. I tagged you. I've been following <laughs> you for some time, Michael. That's creepy as I'll get out. <laughs> Michael, i hunt you for sport, Michael. All right. Anyway, like... <laughs> What an unsettling way to start the show. All Wow, that's creepy. Stalking, guys. It's funny. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Doing my best DDP impression over here. All right. Uh, Stalk The Undertaker. Let's get to it. Um, We're going to talk the news of the day here. News news of the past five days here to start the week off. Uh, The short, winkly week, a three-day week here. Uh, we got a lot of news to get to here, but after the news, we got two great interviews for you all here today. Right after the news, the first interview you're going to hear is with my very good friend, uh, popular independent wrestling star, Gregory Iron. Uh, Greg, are you okay? Did you fall over?
0: Yeah. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. It was... Um... <laughs> Woo, can you hear me? What happened? What happened? It's wild and wacky on this end. What just um, happened? Whoa, woo. i tell you what, still wild and wacky on a Tuesday. Now, my uh, microphone, I was getting all the feedback, all the little noises and stuff that people that do audio hear that are really uncomfortable. What? Yeah, so I had to just re unplug my microphone and, and start over.
1: Are you okay fresh. now? Or do you feel okay? I'm good.
0: You sound better than ever. That first five minutes, I was starting to you feel a little woozy from all the static why, and popping in my why, ears.
1: Why do we do a Why do we do a, a sixty seconds before the show? To, if you're not going to get the sound right, I didn't want to interrupt you. It started halfway
0: through the um, intro there, and I didn't want to stop. Man, it was it was podcast magic, you know. All <laughs> right,
1: the conversation was podcast magic. Let me get the train back on the tracks here, to the best of my abilities. All right, uh, after the news. You're going to get some great interviews. we got two more interviews here for you today. I conducted both the interviews. The first interview is with my good friend, popular independent wrestling, pro wrestling, independent wrestling sensation, Gregory Iron, is going to be here today. I'm a big fan of Greg's. Uh, We used to do commentary at Black Label Pro together. um, And he has a new podcast out called Iron On Wrestling. His first guest was Johnny Gargano, who is like his best friend slash brother. Uh, And he has a lot of other great guests. He's trying to fill uh, the—well, I'll let him talk about what he's trying to do with the podcast. But I will say tomorrow on his show, Iron On Wrestling, on the Wednesday episode when the new episode drops every week, Greg was on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast about a year ago and I guess has become friends with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So he is releasing uh, 20 minutes of unrecorded audio— uh, from a uh, uh, video audio from a video. I don't know where he's gonna put the video, but it's a conversation of him and Steve Austin from a documentary they were working on. So I think that's pretty oh, cool and that's, that's why I'm pretty put, sweet. That's yeah. why I'm putting him today because if you go listen to Greg's podcast tomorrow, you're gonna hear him and, and Stone cold Steve Austin that's that's incredibly badass. Uh, also right after the Gregory Iron interview here today, you're gonna hear my interview with uh, impact wrestling knockout Kiera Hogan. Uh, I did this interview with Kiera on the sidewalk. Uh, outside Scarlet Bar on Halstead aka Boys Town, here in Chicago uh, the proudly gay uh, neighborhood of, of Chicago, Illinois and uh, Kira was about to inter- uh, about to co-host a drag show with a woman named Aurora Gosmic. Uh, Aurora takes part in this interview and uh, we talk about Kira coming out drag race uh, impacts move to access it's really fun and the video because you're gonna want to see the video you got to see Aurora she's beautiful. Um, you got to go over to the YouTube channel Wrestling Inc. YouTube. You can see the interview that I did with Kiara, and you edited this video for me, Michael. I did. I got the
0: chance to watch it, editing it for you. Put put a little brightness on there, make it. You know, it was a really cool spot, guys. I mean, it was um, you were there, the dead of night, right? It had this kind of authentic, real, real earthy feel to it. But yeah, they just shown their beauty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go check it out. It's a it's a really cool spot, and the interview you did was really good too. It was really cool just to see and hear. Um, that story. And I, I I think it's, um, you'll hear it here, but yeah, go watch it. It's really cool.
1: And we're going to talk more about that drag show here in a little bit, but let's get to some other news here right now. News. You can use news that'll leave a bruise. Uh, we got to start off as is the Tuesday tradition, uh, Mm. every week. Now let's look at the AEW NXT ratings. And for the third week in a row, AEW beat NXT in the ratings of the Wednesday night war, uh, Wednesday's dynamite drew an estimated 1.014 million viewers NXT drew 712,000 viewers. Last week's Dynamite did Uh, 1.018 million viewers. So they only dropped, according to this, the average, literally 40,000 viewers. uh, Ranked number eight for the night in the cable top 50. Uh, It only dropped 0.4%. This number does not include, by the way, the additional viewers that were watching on True TV added to the TV. So this is just comparing the TNT viewership last week to this week. Do you think that's, first of all, do you think that's fair? Or or do you think they should tack on the True TV, which was like another 300 and something thousand viewers?
0: I I think the True TV fans are going to find you, right? They're the ones who know about your product and are going out of the way to make sure they watch you. So, you know, TNT versus TNT, I don't think is entirely fair. But also, we got to include, and I don't think any of this is included, which is streaming, which is replay numbers. All of that stuff adds up. And um, that's the big question for me about all that is, how are you factoring that stuff into these total numbers? Because on raw numbers here... Uh, It's not a terrible drop-off, but your numbers go down week over week over week and haven't stabilized. Well,
1: based on just the TNT numbers, AEW only saw a 0.4% drop. NXT saw a 10% drop. They did uh, 790,000 viewers last week. Um, And, um, you know, in the demos, in the 18 to 49 demo, uh, AEW did about 120% of of what NXT did. So AEW here handedly, it looks like, beat NXT this week um again and if anything it looks like aew's numbers are kind of stabilizing a little bit over that 1 million viewership number which is great news for them and uh do you think nxt do you think we see a further drop or do you think we start to see a bounce back here pretty soon with the nxt numbers
0: I don't know if we'll see a bounce back, but it does feel like maybe they're kind of stabilizing right around 750 to 800,000, somewhere in there. Because, I mean, these numbers will fluctuate by, you know, 40,000, 50,000 every week. I mean, that's not going to be uncommon. So I think they're kind of in their zone now, um, right in between 750,000.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, let's take a look at the SmackDown ratings and viewership for this week as well. Uh, SmackDown on Fox drew an average of 2.442 million viewers um, an average rating of uh, 0.75 in the eighteen to forty nine demo. Uh, this is down from last week's Friday Night SmackDown. Viewership was down fifteen percent for the vi- final viewership. Last week's did two point eight seven seven million viewers. So they lost uh, about another. They lost about a million viewers the first week. The second week, close to a uh, five hundred thousand viewers. A uh, uh, one point five million person drop from um, uh, the first to the to the third week of, of SmackDown here on Fox. Um, not great. Mm. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, I will say this. I will say this, Michael. I thought this was some good news here for WWE in the hourly breakdown. The first hour of the show drew 2.39 million viewers. The second hour drew 2.493. So they, yep. they actually went up 100,000 viewers for the second hour, which is traditionally good news. when You see the, the more people are coming to watch your product as the show goes along.
0: Right, I mean, some, but something sparked their interest, and I did not actually watch this past week's episode of SmackDown because, again, Chisky. I was in the cabin in the woods, as you know, as you were stalking me. Um, so I don't know what the hook was there. I do know that based off the previous week, you weren't giving fans – I mean, the Bailey turn was great, right? But do you give fans a reason to tune back in week over week if you if they just tune in for the second time? And I think last week's show, that is the previous week's, was a little bit dry. Um, so overall, these numbers, again, not, not terribly worrisome, but also – it's not great, and it's 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 weird because this week they're going to Fox Sports One, which yeah. I think is not going to help their cause any. No. Um, it's just a strange. place. Let's, let's put this all in perspective, right? We do a whole bunch of numbers at you guys if you're listening here. Um, let's look at last week, top to bottom here. So, um, two point two eight million viewers for Raw last week. Um, one point zero one four million viewers for Impact. I mean for um, AW, uh, seven hundred twelve thousand viewers for NXT. And then we have um, 2.442 million viewers for SmackDown. And, and take the 18 to 49 demographics as you will, which AEW is very strong there as well. Um, but none of these shows broke 3 million. None of them broke 2.5 million. Um, you're talking about wrestling shows that historically, even the, the, the more recent years, have gotten 3 to 4 million, are hovering below 2.5. I mean, we're saying 2.25 is kind of what we consider decent nowadays. Sure. And, um, NXT here, uh, well below that, you know, you said 702,000, again, 700,000 viewers to 750,000 viewers. I think last week was a bad week for NXT. I still think they'll level out somewhere around 750,000, but fans aren't coming to these products. They're having high peaks. They're not stabilizing there. They're dropping off. And that's worrisome to me. You say what you will. There's still streaming stuff out there there, right? We, we saw that SmackDown is now going to be accessible via the Fox app. Um, that was recent news. Um, Cody Rhodes has been on very public about how you know they look at their YouTube ratings. They kind of include that in some other numbers, and they sure. said TNT You know, seems happy. So I don't know what to make of it, but if you're just looking at live broadcast TV, um, none of that's fantastic, but it's a weird era.
1: Yeah, yeah, the boom. This is supposed to be the boom right now, Michael, you know, and I feel like more people are getting uh, driven away by how much content. I feel like it's a little oversaturated, but I think that can be turned. I do think that there's uh, I think there's obviously the potential right now with so much interest for the right character to come along the right uh, the right moment, the right story. Uh, right now, we you know we're in the early stages. We're in act one of whatever this is supposed to be. I don't know that that character or story has kind of revealed themselves yet, but I'm pretty optimistic that that is going to be the case. And something is I don't know if it's gonna be this inner circle thing. I don't know if we're gonna see a defection here from from big one from WWE to AEW overnight. I don't really know what that is. But um, but I do think something will happen. I, I can't imagine this is going to continue to dwindle as, a, as it is forever. Um, And on that note, while we're talking SmackDown here, uh, Eric Bischoff, he did address his uh, SmackDown firing on his podcast this past week. Uh, He noted he has learned a lot and enjoyed a lot uh, working with Vince, though he was very sad he couldn't uh, live up to Vince's expectations. Uh, He said he would have liked to have spent two to three years with WWE. He didn't see this as a long-term position, but he definitely didn't see himself... There as short as he was. Uh, He admits that he would have done a lot of things differently if it was a second time around. Uh, But he has no regrets. Uh, He's going to spend a month with his kids down in Florida. Then he's going to head back to Wyoming with his wife. So uh, thus the tale of Bischoff. You know, I'm looking here because he worked closely with Pritchard. Um, How long until Bruce is doing one of his podcasts talking about Eric's time? In WWE this time around, I just I don't know. It's something. I, it's like there's this, this this tangled knot of podcasts and power. Where do you draw the line of, of when there is interest? Which I'm sure there is at the moment. You know, they've both gone out of their way to say how good of a friends they are
0: in this right. breakup. You know, Bruce right. Pritchard, Oh, he's my best friend. Right. Eric Bischoff. I had dinner with him last week. I'm just waiting, Nick, for the. Follow up the sequel podcast to 83 Weeks, and this time dealing with Bischoff's time in WWE on S- executive director of SmackDown called 83 Days. I
1: don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I feel like half those episodes would be like, well, they had chicken parmesan in catering that day. And I'm a chicken par I this, guy. I this you young know?
0: wrestler, he was great. His name was something. Is it Rawlings? Is that his Rawlings. name? Like
1: Wyoming? I love Rawlings. I think he was Wyoming. a
0: champ at one point, but you know, that kid's got potential. Why are belts red now? Who did that? <laughs> I don't get it. Like the new NWO, right? Can we bring back... You know what? Red's a great biker color. Can we do something with that?
1: I came in. My first pitch was, let's turn Hogan babyface. I turned him heel. I would imagine he's still a heel. Anyway. Oh. Uh. Man,
0: it's it's interesting to hear. Um, I'm really... Let me just say this. Bischoff is handling this the right way. Say what you will about all the rumors about his time in catering and not knowing superstars' names and all that stuff, right? Bischoff is handling this the right way, very professionally, saying, you know... Um, he he wish it wouldn't have lasted this short term professionally. He would learn a lot from this and wants to go back and do things differently if he had a chance. But um, very professional. Bruce Pritchard, I think, makes a lot of sense in this move. Bruce Pritchard has been very working very closely with Vince McMahon since returning. When was that? Was that earlier this year? Or was that late last year?
1: Uh, uh, think early the, this year, I think it was early, early this year. the beginning
0: of this year. Yeah, he's been working very closely. You've seen Paul Heyman's kind of ascension during that same time period. So I think Pritchard makes a lot of sense in this in this role right here, and obviously he'll have a more focus on creative, I think, than what Bischoff had. So, um, I think it's a net positive for WWE. Um, but yeah, a strange a strange turn in the history of professional wrestling, <laughs> dating back to the Attitude Era.
1: <laughs> I want to get podcasts about the other guys' podcasts <laughs> anyway. Um. So you brought up and that. At, one point, at some point, it's just Conrad talking to himself, right? Isn't that where we're eventually going with this? Conrad talks to Hologram Conrad about the Conrad Thompson story. Um, we uh, we have some Seth Rollins uh, updates <laughs> as we brought Rollins up here. He had a few comments that played into, I thought, uh, the current state of WWE AW. So I thought I'd throw him in here uh, towards the top of the run sheet. Uh, Seth Rollins was asked by a fan. At an autograph session, why he doesn't wear his white gear anymore. Now, before I read the quote, the way, have you seen the video of this fan confronting Rollins? Yes. It? Yeah. yeah. It looks like Seth does not know he is being recorded, right? Right. It does. Yes. It does very much look <laughs> like Seth does not know he is because the camera's like pointed down. The <laughs> fan has said, no, Seth knew I was recording him. It, I want to be very clear. It does not look like Seth knows he's being recorded here. So anyway, with that said, but but but
0: but but okay. still, you've got to—you're a public figure. You've right. got to assume that people are recording you, especially in settings like
1: this. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so Seth is asked, "Why don't you wear your white gear anymore?" Feather innocuous question, I thought. He says, "No, Vince won't let me wear it because he's a weird old man who doesn't understand that people think it's the coolest gear they've ever seen." Yeah. He doesn't get that. He doesn't get it. I get that question more than anything else. What does that mean? It's just huge, man. People loved it. I think it's in the archive. I gave it to the archivist guy. He puts it up in Access and stuff like that. So (laughs) weird old man. He's a weird old man (laughs) who doesn't
0: understand that people think it's the coolest gear. A weird old man. He's talking about his boss. And Seth Rollins god bless him he has had his moments of being like so fiercely wwe at times you're like dude back off it a little bit right but then in a moment like this he's so like anti-vince mcmahon that you just wonder i just wonder where his head is sometimes other than that he's just everything's coming at him a thousand miles per hour and he's just reacting you know
1: i don't know it's like you you brought up how bischoff you're like handling this very well yes eric knows how to craft a narrative i'm very very aware of that and he's done a, a fine job here with bruce and Uh, I don't see any cracks in that narrative. But with Seth here, I feel like uh, he has tried to craft a narrative outside of how he, it seems, would personally feel. And that's how I've always kind of felt about this, like, WWE flag stuff with Seth, where it's like he wants to be the locker room leader right now. He wants to prove that he can be the company man and he can he can say those things, even if he doesn't really believe them, especially in the wake of when Moxley uh, left and said all that stuff that um, really set the company. So. I I don't think Seth knew he was being recorded here, regardless of what this fan says. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just showed. It showed, like you said, it showed a different side here, and it does. It leads me to believe the Twitter stuff was more for the bigger PR purposes and not for his personal beliefs. Not all, some of it, I believe. Some of it, I think he thinks best wrestling in the world. WWE, of course. Other things, I don't know. You know. So <laughs> that's
0: just a strange way to cross that company line. And I um man i mean he put his he put this gear over he said i get this question more than anything else right that's like, what not people about care no. about? what do you feel about john moxley wrestling in AEW? what do you feel about the twitter war with kenny omega no no no. he gets a question about his white gear according to him more than anything else it's strange
1: well, burto carrillo gets to be the black power ranger i think that seth rollins <laughs> should get to be the white power ranger Meanwhile,
0: the Green Rangers out there just trying to get a fight in MMA against CM
1: Punk, right? You <laughs> You're go. absolutely right. Jason David Frank, I think, is his name. Uh, so we're not done with Seth comments yet. Um, there was another one that tied into the uh, state of AWWWE, and he was asked by a fan uh, at the Fandemic Con- Convention, Comic-Con, about a possible match with Kenny Omega. And Seth said when Kenny's done playing in the minor leagues over there in AEW then he can come up and work at the absolute top professional wrestling company in the world in front of the most people and make the most money and have the biggest matches which is with me at WrestleMania. So, a good bit of banter here. I didn't I don't personally have a, a problem with this, but I thought it was a I thought I thought it was a good way to stir the pot. I wish I wish more people were doing this right now in the in the Wednesday Night Wars. You mean
0: stirring the pot?
1: Yeah, dude. Everybody's okay. trying to be way too nice. you know. Well, we
0: have, a, we have a follow-up story to this. Again, this is more of classic Seth defending his company. And to your point from earlier, I think he does believe it. He, if you wrestle there, okay. you've got to believe it is the top professional wrestling company in the world. You're the face of that company. Own it, right? But he's also right. Make the most money and have the biggest matches. Now, I'm not going to get into how much money the cons have and how much they're willing to put into this endeavor. But a match at WrestleMania— would still be put out what all in infinity, right? Whatever that would be for next year or years coming. WrestleMania is still the prominent, the premier professional wrestling event in the world. And there is nothing like being on that stage for a pro wrestler. And um, I you know, I think what this does too is it shows you that Seth still wants to wrestle guys outside of AEW, and he sees there's value in some of these quote unquote former indie darlings like Kenny Omega. Um, I say that. Ironically, obviously, Kenny Omega is a worldwide champion, but there's still a big money and a big field of Seth Rollins, and he wants to wrestle some of these dudes, right? He's in WWE, but he wants to wrestle guys like Kenny Omega, right? He wants to be up against guys like the Young Bucks, because there's, there's still a lot they can do there creatively.
1: Well, we had a couple <clears throat> we had a couple other guys stir the pot here this past weekend uh, as well. Randy Orton, he posted a cryptic, uh, cryptic picture on his Instagram account. It was a photo of him looking at it, a sign that says, Elite Level, it was like Elite Level... Uh, uh, Box, you know, that he was at, at some kind of stadium or whatever. But he cried. You're kind of sitting over the word level. It just looked like the word elite over his shoulder. The caption read, tick tock, tick tock. He tagged a bunch of people. Jericho commented saying, send in the tape and some pics. I'll see what I can do. Question, question. So Randy Orton, he's out there stirring the pot right now, making people think that maybe he, he's going go to go to AEW. Or maybe he's just trying to get more money for his next contract signing to WWE. Either or right?
0: Dude dude, dude has been there for years and years and years and years. He has done everything he can do in WWE, and while he is considered one of the main eventers for that company, I think at times he gets lost in the shuffle with younger guys like Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. And you talk about storylines, Randy Orton gets involved in feuds, but he he rarely has those memorable long-term storylines anymore. And I think that's unfortunate for a guy that is quote-unquote elite, but who is a legend like Randy Orton. And um. Man, if, if AEW could offer him a big money contract, offer him less time on the road, you see him post on Instagram about time with his family and all that stuff. I think Orton would seriously consider it, and I think he would chomp at the chance yeah. to be the face of something unique and different like AEW.
1: Yeah, you know, he he's obviously familiar with Jericho, but I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot you could do with a Randy Orton Cody Rhodes as well. You know, yes, there's a lot that you could do there. Um, we'll see him Punk. Here's his latest pro wrestling comments. Uh, CM Punk was asked at the Chicago Film Festival premiere of his new movie, Girl on the Third Floor. If he watches AEW, he said, I do not. I don't watch wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> he was then asked on Reddit if via an MMA. Solid uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> sorry. Not an That's a
0: no-sell for you guys that don't know the terminology for it
1: No, I don't He was asked on a Reddit, AMA If a WWE return is possible And he says, it'd have to be a very big bag I'm guessing, of money That he's talking about there <laughs> So it doesn't watch I just want. To, I need something to hold all these movie offers I'm getting yeah, I, I heard the movie's good I should have gone to the, the Chicago premiere there, but I had, yeah, had to spend a night up. doing something else with my life that night. There has been a lot of positive buzz
0: here for Punk doing this. And I, I think, you know, especially at an event like the Chicago Film Festival, um, these are very, and I say no sell right jokingly, but these are very curt answers. I do not, I don't watch wrestling. It has to be a very big bag. He did not want to talk about wrestling at this event, is no, the feeling I got. He
1: never does. <laughs> And, and, but, but
0: who can blame him? I mean, never does. He had a great interview at uh, StarCast, right? So I think this yeah. was different for him because he sees how important this is to his career. I think he's branching out beyond wrestling and making his name possibly in acting now. To your point, this has been a very well-received role for him. And so I think it is an annoyance when you're out there on the red carpet or wherever you are talking about your premiere, and he just wants to talk about how – if you've heard him talk about Girl on the Third Floor – it's a strong passion project for him. And, um, yeah, talking about wrestling, just no, I don't want to talk about it. And um, don't blame the dude. But uh, also, if you're negotiating for this Fox TV deal still, who knows? Um, talking about money uh, would be smart here.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think that Punk likes to talk about wrestling just like he likes to actually wrestle when there's a very big bag of money involved, right? Which is you brought up the StarCast thing. I don't know how big a bag of that money was, but that'd be a pretty big bag get him out there talk yeah. about wrestling this guy just sit down and he's like hey let's go to the starbucks man let's chat about nxt this week i don't get that vibe
0: <laughs> i mean maybe if we offered him a big bag he would come on the winkley you never know <sighs>
1: oh, yeah could be a
0: big bag of anything to be fair we don't know that it's got to be money like maybe he wants like you know gold bullions so who knows
1: sure sure i mean it's it's always worked so well when he did chicago podcasts you know so <laughs> yeah e. i don't i don't want to get
0: sued let me e. just put that out there i don't want to e. get sued for <laughs>
1: We're gonna do a we're gonna do a Patreon not a Patreon we're gonna do like a GoFundMe to raise enough money to do uh, get a CM Punk interview on the show which is roughly three million dollars because I want <laughs> I want an insurance policy put to the side in case things go awry. Oh man, Wrestling Observer. It'd be a big episode though, right? <laughs> big episode. Wrestling Observer reporting: Brock Lesnar round up on SmackDown because Fox officials wanted either Brock or Ronda on SmackDown. There's no word yet on what brand Cain Velasquez will wind up on. But if he stays with Ray, which is likely, that would indicate that he's going to stay on Raw. Now, I, 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 in the in my gut, I think that they do, unless this thing uh, uh, craps the bed, I think that they do Brock Kane 2 at Survivor Series. I think this is the setup for the Survivor Series match. I, I don't even know that—I I, I, I mean, maybe they put the belt on Kane at, at, at Crown Jewel and they set up the, the Survivor Series bout with Brock trying to take it back. Or maybe we get a schmaz at Crown Jewel. I haven't really decided yet— but I think uh, I don't think I think that's I, I think that's what's gonna happen here. And until Survivor Series is over, I don't really know that we're gonna know what brand Kane is on, unless they just decide to put him on Raw with Ray, for the sake of story.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's it is you know strange again doing this overseas for their first bout. But if they do, to your point, end it with kind of like a no, like nothing, a no no contest, which you could do here very easily. These two guys just beat the crap out of each other. Sure. Um, saving the rematch for Chicago would be really smart. This conversation about him ending up on Raw, I think, is strange. Now, again, Ray's over there. They brought him out last night. They're friends. But but I thought the whole thing was they were kind of establishing the brands, and that was it. Other than some trades, maybe we see. Um, I mean, I guess him and Bray are both on... Sm- Kane is not signed anywhere, I guess, right? That's the storyline right now?
1: Uh, yes, I believe so.
0: He's just fighting for the championship of a brand because he's friends with Ray, to Shelton Benjamin's point. Um, yeah, it, it's a strange way to go here, Would you got this guy possibly going back to Raw, fighting for the SmackDown title. Bray Wyatt, poss- you know, is on SmackDown, fighting for the Raw title. That might be how they could switch the titles, um... A lot of things going on here. The thing I will say, though, is that Velazquez last night on Raw, going up against Shelton Benjamin, I had not had this thought. A lot of people commented on his appearance, right? Obviously, he was focusing on a more luchador style um, down in Mexico, but I thought he looked very tiny, <laughs> and I thought he looked tiny next to Shelton Benjamin, which I think is going to hurt him and his appearance and fan reaction Come, crown jewel, and possibly Survivor Series.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I I thought that as well. But he's just, he, you know, he's a genuine badass, right? And he moves like uh, I thought the takedown. I didn't know that the punches were a thousand percent, but I thought the takedown on Sheldon, the way he moved, uh, yeah. I thought looked really good. You know, and that's where you that's where you prove yourself. That's how Chad Gable, that's how Shorty G <laughs> proves himself. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that's what you want to do, especially. I mean, again, he's not gonna go out there and have a kind of high flying style match with Brock. These two guys go in there and grapple and do a more MMA based kind of bout. That could be really fun and interesting, especially if there are a lot of punches thrown and things like that. So not gonna to totally discount him here, but I just had I've been cautious to comment on his body image for for the last few weeks while other people I know our own Matt Morgan has been very critical of the way Velasquez looks. Um, but I, I kind of reeled it back last night. I said, "Nah, he's he's going up against Brock Lesnar. Dude's got to jack up a little bit. He he will too, right? He's got time here to earn his way in WWE. He will.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be all the proof will be in the pudding for me. It's how do you, how do you come across in the ring, right? You know, Kevin Owens, right? I think Kevin Owens is believably like a tough guy, badass, and he doesn't. I mean, he's he's in shape. That shape is round, and it's fine. You know, yeah. <laughs> that stole that joke. That's from a book. That's a Jimmy Jimmy Corderas used that joke in the interview that I'm releasing tomorrow, and I, was, I swooped in on his <laughs> joke here today. Yeah, that's that's where, that's where a great joke so that you guys are repeating mm-hmm. along the ways. Mm. Whoops. <laughs> uh, so we talked about possible, like, schmoz finish here with Brock and, and Kane. Uh, one match it doesn't look like we're going to get a schmoz finish for, at least we can hope, is Seth Rollins versus The Fiend. Their Falls Count Anywhere match has been amended here, Michael. It is now a Falls Count Anywhere match cannot be stopped. <laughs> For any reason, right? You stab the man, you let him bleed out, wander off into the Saudi desert. That's fine, right? The match is not over until you pin him, I guess, or submit, or whatever it may be, or falls got kind of anywhere. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. It's not a not last man standing. So shiv him. But, shoot, but Seth Rollins
0: you know. has told us that they've got to stop a match if it gets too brutal, right? <laughs> he told us that on Twitter.
1: What happens here? Oh. What happens here, Michael? With these two?
0: I honestly have no idea because, on the one hand, honestly, I think at this point they're content to see the theme kind of drop back down a little bit. Um, Girl, oh I don't God. imagine he's going to walk out of here at the championship. Me either. I don't imagine they're going to move this because you had your chance last month to do that. Uh, false count anywhere. He's got to get pinned, right? It's a pinfall match. I mean, maybe it's submission, but. Um, only thing I can say is maybe something gets dropped in the fiend, and that's how Kind of like the classic segment between Rock and Mick Mick Foley, Foley, where yeah. yeah, they drop the forklift on him, something like that that forces the fiend to take the pinfall. But the only other possibility I can see is that if Kane Velasquez, and I alluded to this earlier, it's going to move to Raw after his feud with Brock. You could swap the titles. Now they're not the right colors, right? And that's going to confuse some people. But you could swap the titles, and this could be your setup to do it. Put the blue brand on The Fiend, put the red brand on Kane Velasquez, um, and go your separate ways after Survivor Series.
1: Seems like a lot to do at a show I don't think many people are going to watch, right? That's still kind of my biggest knock on all of this. I I think, I I don't know. I I think Kane maybe takes the title here, um, stays on SmackDown here until Survivor Series where Brock could take it back, um, and then, you know, you do whatever. But I think they keep this thing on Seth, and man, it makes me sad when you say it and I agree with you where you're like, yeah, I think they're going to like take the fiend down a peg here. And I'm like, yeah, I think so too. And why, well, you know, they're bringing the firefly fun house back this week on SmackDown it got burned down. I guess it doesn't, nothing mean that's, you know what? That is a huge <laughs> metaphor. I feel like for WWE right now, where it's like you can do high stakes things, but by next week, it's not going to matter, man. It just doesn't, yeah. it, it's not going to matter. Yeah.
0: What was that last week, then? If he didn't literally burn down the fire... I mean, I'm, I'm glad they're bringing it back, so I don't want to be crit- too critical, right? But if they're literally just going to bring it... Now, I hope it's like a charred remains of the Firefly Funhouse. That would be kind of cool. Um, and maybe they're rebuilding it. You know, maybe we have Rambling Rabbit out there kind of helping put the thing back together. That could be fun, but um,
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've said
0: it for weeks. <laughs> I don't think Vince McMahon gets The Fiend. I don't think he gets Bray Wyatt. I think he's endured it because it's been popular. And I think whenever he doesn't get something or doesn't like something he always pushes it to the back burner <laughs> because it's not what he wants.
1: All right. We have a lot more to get to here. So I'm not going to fall <laughs> down the ra- the rambling rabbit hole here uh, of what's going on with this fire five fun But yeah, it hurts my brain. Uh, lastly here for crown jewel. Actually, we got more crown jewel after this, but match wise for crown jewel, Roman reigns is now the new team captain for team Hogan. As Seth is going to take on the fiend and had to drop out uh, added to team Hogan, Ali and shorty G. Uh, now uh, shorty G is the former Chad Gable, He's now Shorty G. Have you? I know you said you hadn't watched SmackDown, but had you watched the promo Chad Gable uh, cut owning this new name? I have not. No, this is this ought <laughs> to be good. It's good. It's good. He's very impassioned, but Chuck- it's just like at the end of the day, i I'm, I'm being forced to embrace Olympian Chad Gable being called Shorty G, and it sounds like either a hip hop star or a mobster, and I don't really see either in Chad Gable. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, and especially Shorty G is something like a hip hop star from like the early 2000s, right? Like it's not even a clever name for 2019. And that, that just makes it silly and goofy for a guy who should be a serious competitor and who is a serious competitor in the ring. Mm.
1: Still so weird to me. Uh, also, Ali, good guy Ali, uh, doing what he did the last time he uh, worked Crown Jewel. He's going to be donating his earnings uh, from Crown Jewel to Charity Water, a nonprofit organization that brings clean, safe drinking water to people in developing countries. 100% of public donations go to water projects. Good job, Ali. And if you're doing the show, uh, I would say if uh, this is the only appropriate thing to do with the money you get for the show, um, in my opinion. So good go- good job, Ali, on this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I-, I think it's good of Ali to do it. I'm not going to go as far as say everybody has to do that, right? Because, I'm just again, saying it would this- probably
1: be the right thing to do, <clears throat> yeah. you know, ethically. They're being
0: asked to do this by their employer and um, – uh, you know, feeling the way I feel about it, I think this is the company's responsibility here to do the right thing and not do this kind of show with the kind of controversy that it brings. No. Um, the workers are kind of the worker bees, and not everybody has the flexibility to either donate money or opt out. Um, but I think, to your point, Ali is doing the most right thing, and I, I think yeah. that is respectable.
1: Uh, and lastly, Drew McIntyre uh, brought back; he'll be now on Team Flair. Um, and you, uh, you talk about you know people embracing these Saudi Arabia shows Well, Uh, The Wrestling Observer reporting that The Undertaker is not going to be a crown jewel, uh, as will Bill Goldberg. Uh, Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan will not be going as well per usual. They've uh, expressed their displeasure with the kingdom. Sami Zayn not going to be allowed to work the, the WWE shows in the kingdom because he is of Syrian descent, which the Saudis don't like. But back to the Undertaker here, he did, he went over to Saudi Arabia, I'm guessing for a few million dollars to appear on a gigantic float as part of the Riyadh Season in Saudi Arabia. I'm sure you saw the clip of this on Raw last night, Michael. Yes. What an insane nightmare this was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that blown up Roman Reigns with the WWE championship is the thing that like you imagine that shows up when a kid has those nightmares on a cartoon show, right? It's these kinds of things they
1: envision. What um, a nightmare. Uh, the Undertaker
0: and he looked the Undertaker looked so small. Like he had this big blow-up version of him behind him, and he was just standing there. Um it it just it was surreal. Uh oof. Yeah. Uh well uh let's... Well and Ric Flair. Let's also say speaking of <laughs> sure. Crown Jewel, cool. <laughs> Rick Flair's promo last night on Raw Great.
1: about Crown Jewel, also surreal. I loved it. Ric Flair off the chair. we're going to Saudi. Woo! <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I also told a fan that he, uh, he remembered his mom <laughs> insinuating that he may be that fan's father. Great moment.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was. Well, yeah. Then just the whole thing about where are we Friday? We're Smackdown. Wow. he SmackDown. He
1: was, he was lit last night, and I loved it. Lit. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, let's move over here uh, over to uh, a different part of the world. We're going to talk about Japan a little bit. The Observer reporting WWE was also in talks with Stardom's women's wrestling promotion in Japan about purchasing them. Of course, it was reported last week they were also in talks with Noah um, uh, to, purchase, uh, to potentially purchase them. Uh, but it was announced last week that Road, which owns New Japan for Wrestling, ha- uh, beat WWE to the punch here. They purchased Stardom, um, and they may have plans to use the women as part of New Japan shows elsewhere, but not right now in Japan. They're going to stay separate entities. Uh, WWE wanted to use Noah and Stardom as the base talent for the new NXT Japan brand. So with all that said, um, I I think there's a bigger piece of news here, um, and that is that New Japan, on the heels of this news, announced uh, over the weekend or or early yesterday that in a press conference they are going to be introducing New Japan Pro Wrestling of America. Uh, This was during a press conference. New Japan Chairman Shugabayashi and CEO Takami Obari discussed the phases That led to this new subsidiary. Phase 1 was hunting for talent. Phase 2 was running events in the United States. And now they're on Phase 3, which is establishing a solid entity in New Japan Pro Wrestling of America. Um, Stop here for a moment, and let's reflect on this moment of time that New Japan has finished their exploration of the North American market. They ran East Coast shows. They ran West Coast shows. They haven't really come here to the Midwest yet, but they feel that they've got a good enough handle on the North American scene to now launch their own North American subsidiary. Um, What do you see as the ramifications of this decision, Michael?
0: I I think it's fascinating that kind of Japan has become the new battleground for professional wrestling, right? And so WWE obviously sees a big money there. Um, New Japan has been over there huge for many, many, many years. Wrestle Kingdom, the only event in the world that kind of rivals WrestleMania for that feel, that big match, really special event. Um, so WWE moving over there makes sense, but at the same time, New Japan is trying to find that audience and that voice in America. Yeah. I, I I think it's it's gonna be challenging for New Japan, and we'll talk about kind of what their phase rollout is gonna be, only because I think that America is such a hotbed for the indies right now, and I think AEW is kind of beating them to the punch to be that second big brand. The the thing that New Japan has in their advantage is they are a worldwide entity. And yeah. while they're not as big in America as AEW is. They are a, a worldwide dominating factor, and they can bring all that over here to the States, and they are a, a big business. And so, um, well, you and know, th- yeah. yeah.
1: On the note of what you said about AEW, um, I would think that this is kind of the definitive end of the ROH relationship. I'd like to find out. I'm going to try to do a little digging around here today if that's the case or if they're going to run on top of each other to still work together. But it also makes it feel less likely we're going to see some kind of New Japan AEW deal of New Japan, unless they're going to, again, work with AEW to help expand in, in North America. But I can't see I can't see Tony Khan or anybody else that's seen what's happened the past few years agreeing to something like that.
0: No, I can't either. And and they'd be competing with one another. Again, New Jap- like, we don't want to say this here because we're not – I mean, New Japan is a thing here, but it's not a huge thing. But New Japan Pro Wrestling is a big deal and could potentially be a big competitor to both WWE and AEW. Why you would help prop that up if you're Tony Khan, if you're AEW, I would have no idea.
1: Yeah. Um, well, the events for New Japan Pro Wrestling America – are going to be in the West Coast, uh, Texas, Southeast, uh, East, and Mid-Areas, broken down into this, uh, six shows in the West, seven uh, shows in the Midwest, four uh, shows in Texas, uh, six shows in the Southeast, and uh, four cities in the East Coast. So they're going to go all across the country. It sounds like in 2020, you know, I, I you know, if you did, I think it's like 23, 27 shows here. So like uh, every other weekend, if you did one show, but I think there could be tours. So about, I would think once a month, you're going to see a tour from New Japan Pro Wrestling America uh they're going to be taking place while the regular New Japan Pro Wrestling Japanese tours are on hiatus but in the event that the two run simultaneously talent schedules will be factored in so they are they're going to do their best to to balance it we both are but they, but even them they're saying here you could get two New Japan shows going head to head on the same night that's that's pretty wild man mm, mm. yeah i mean WWE does that stuff where you can go to a live event on a a monday night or or whatever but um, the New Japan. And
0: big may- sporting brands do too, right? NBA yeah. will run multiple games in a you know same night. NFL, obviously, Sunday all day is a platitude of games,
1: right? So yeah, but I mean that's that's some BDE right there to be doing that on New Japan's part, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So the current plan. I love how deep. By the way, I'm very impressed with how detailed this release was. It makes it makes this feel. Not like it was haphazardly thrown together. They're like, we had stages, we explored things, we know what markets we're going into. The current plan is to broadcast American events live on New Japan World, but the alternative of VOD on delay is possible, which I'm going to guess is leaving the door open maybe to fight if people don't uh, have New Japan or access to New Japan. And New Japan's been a pretty reliable uh, streaming platform for a little while now. So yeah it,
0: yeah they've been great for Wrestle Kingdom if you wanted to watch it live and not wait for the replays it's yeah. you had to translate use the Google Translate function for the website but it's worked
1: yeah um so you know they they have they have in place a, a method of covering these shows they have a strategy how to roll them out um as it's been noted uh this was the most profitable year uh in New Japan Pro uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling's history or is going to be on pace to be doing the most profitable year they've ever had uh they are expecting to double the events they do in 2019 Uh, access tv is going to be heavily utilized and new japan didn't rule out uh partnerships in the future first uh, there's so much to this michael but they're gonna not only bump their new japan world but they're gonna work closer with access tv there was a lot of questions i think around with impact moving there you got wow there is new japan going to be affected in that not at all if anything it sounds like access wants to be more in the new japan pro wrestling business and, I mean, dude, there's there's so much going on here for New Japan to just literally blow it out at the top of 2020, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And, and, and they're being methodical about it, you know, they, this press release, given all the details, the way they've thought through it. They've done stuff over here. Um, it seemed like back in 2017, New Japan really felt like they're getting ready to have their big blowout moment like this. If you remember back then, Wrestle Kingdom, that year, Wrestle Kingdom was huge. I think that was the year where they had these big main events. Everybody, even casual fans, were talking about how big this felt. And um, here stateside. And so I think for them, it seemed like they were on the cusp of doing this. The difference was they tried to work into the North American market through Ring of Honor, which I think was the issue they've had for a couple of years. They kind of had these false starts where, like, they would do some American, North American shows. They would partner with Ring of Honor. And I think that never took off. And I think they've realized that if we're going to do this and make it big, we're going to need to do it on our own and just own our brand. And I think that's the right move because New Japan Pro Wrestling, like AEW, but I think even to a more extent – They offer a different kind of product, and I think it's a great contrast to what WWE is doing. So I think they'll find success.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm very optimistic on what New Japan is doing here right now. Um, They also stated in their press conference, there's more uh, of a range in ages when it comes to the American audience. Uh, They've discovered that families enjoy digital programming and that Americans enjoy a mix of wrestling styles, which I think uh, plays back into the purchase of stardom because they had said it doesn't sound like a New over in Japan they're going to be blending but i think that they realize that north american like north american audiences united states audiences uh, women's wrestling is very popular here right now if they could sprinkle on some special new japan women's matches as part of their shows um, that's a little boost for them that's just one yeah. of the, that's just one of the things i've noticed with this relationship you know yep um, new japan is going to head back to the united states on saturday november 9th for new japan showdown it'll be at san jose civic center in san jose Jushin Thunder Liger is expected to have his last match in America. There, Uh, the company will then travel to L.A. for an event at the Globe Theater on Monday, November 11th. And uh, we roll into 2020 here on a hot note. New Japan has entered the arena. Um, They're on Access, Impact's on Access, AEW on TNT, WWE three nights a week on uh, uh, USA and Fox. It's a hell. It's just so much wrestling, Michael. So much wrestling. Dude, it's awesome, and it's it's great,
0: and again, it's also overwhelming, especially if you're covering it. If you're a fan, there's so much to choose from. Um, I I I am so happy to be here in 2020, almost with all this great stuff. But I'm also at times like, God, somebody needs to slow it down. Every, you know, they say it with the news cycle right now, every every week feels like a month, and I feel like it's the exact same way in pro wrestling. <laughs>
1: Um, Well, WWE has uh, confirmed uh, that Xavier Woods has suffered an Achilles injury. It was suffered suffered at Monday's WWE live event in Sydney, Australia. Uh, It came during uh, Woods and Big E versus uh, the Revival. Uh, After Woods went down to the mat, he clutched his leg. A fan in attendance noted that Woods was whipping into the ropes, but immediately fell down, grabbed, or was whipped into the ropes, immediately fell down, grabbed his leg or knee. The ref threw up the X. Uh, Woods was checked on. He looked to be in pain. Uh, Big E looked concerned. Woods limped away. He was helped to the back, uh, and the match continued as a hand. Big E, after watching his friend just be horribly injured and crying in pain, continued to wrestle. Bravo, sir. And he took the loss from the Revival. Pro-wrestling. Pro-wrestling. Uh, Wrestling Observer reporting that word going around right now in WWE. The injury to Woods could be bad. Um, uh, I read this, and the first thing I thought was um, – Man, hundred hundred to twenty miles per hour for the new day. You know, there was so much excitement around Kofi as the champion. Oh, is Big E going to turn? Is he going to stay? With Woods going to the the back burner here, I don't know how this affects. I don't know how this affects all these guys. You know, it does feel like uh, the new day no longer an A team. It seems like maybe a BB plus team. And I know I sound like Stephanie McMahon saying that right now, but <laughs> it's 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 a noticeable drop. I would say I would say for this team, especially with Woods going out right now, I think it's going to kind of. I think it maybe take away from the momentum a bit of the team. I could be wrong, you know. It's
0: okay. The last B plus player main evented WrestleMania that year, so there you go. No, I. Uh, this is the ch- the time I think where the new day has been so popular. They're great with merch sales. But I almost wonder, have we passed their peak, and is it time to do something different with these guys? People have been saying that for a while. Yeah. I think, though, after Kofi had that moment at WrestleMania, and it was kind of a, a culmination for all three of these men, right, with, with Xavier Woods there, who have been promoting Kofi for so long in that spot, um, with Big E there. I think now Xavier Woods, and I hate to see this for Xavier Woods. I don't want to lose sight of that. This is a, a big loss for him right now. He's, he's so good in the ring. Um, and great on the mic, right? But with him sidelined, Can we maybe now move on? Kofi, done with the championship for a while, it seems. Can we promote this Kofi Kingston-Big E rivalry? Let's do something with Big E here. Maybe he turns.
1: Maybe this happens in some way. You're right. You're right. You're right. It it would seemingly leave the door open for that. But I don't know. Do they want to turn? Maybe Kofi's the one to turn on Big E, you know, Mm. because he's like jaded and upset because he lost the title and he's frustrated, you know? Do you think fans will accept
0: that, though? And so, uh, you know, just uh, – I'm, I'm a Kofi Kingston fan, right? I love him because he's so positive and upbeat if he turns. It works for Daniel Bryan, so maybe. But I think Big E could be a great monster heel, and you could put him up against so many guys out there. I think um, I
1: think Big E would work better as the baby. I think people want to like Big E. And, you know, you t- got Kofi ripping up the pancakes, you know, stomping on the horn. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of maybe finding an alliance there with Bailey, you know, kind of deal in the same vein of something like that. So – all right, I dig it. But now's play. the time, guys. If you listen to our podcast, Mystic Man. Yes. Uh, although nothing has been confirmed by WWE or Casey Catanzaro, Catanzaro, tough last name, as of this week, her profile is no longer showing up on WWE.com's roster, signaling a possible exit from the company. This has been rumored for a little bit. Ricochet kind of touched on it, I believe, in a Sports Illustrated interview a little while back, saying she was still with the with the company. Um, but yeah, looks like, and you know, she had a great performance in last year's Women's Royal Rumble. I, I thought there would be more for her, but for whatever reason, it looks like Casey could be gone. We're trying to get comment on that one. Mm. Um, so Callen censored the website, uh, reporting that indie wrestler Jake Atlas has reportedly signed with WWE. He's set to uh, report to the Performance Center Orlando this coming January. Apparently, AEW had had talks with Atlas, but no contract had been offered. The 24-year-old Atlas was featured on a 2018 episode of Celebrity Undercover Boss on CBS, which featured WWE Chief Brand Officer Stephanie McMahon as the undercover boss. Have you seen this episode? (laughs) I have not. Oh, go find it. (laughs) Oh, I will. That sounds great. What does she dress like? She's like, they just kind of frumpy her up a little bit. I mean, I, I can't believe people weren't actually fooled, were they? They can't had to, real. they had to pretend to be, if nothing else. That's why I say, because I'm pretty sure that the last scene has like the big show in it, being like, oh my god, I can't believe it's Steph. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, so anyway, Atlas appeared as an undiscovered wrestler that was duped. By the undercover McMahon in the episode, uh, the show saw Atlas explain to McMahon that he wanted to become the first openly gay WWE champion. At the end of the episode, Stephanie revealed herself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess episode of Scooby Doo. Oh, it was you all along. Who and knew?
1: She offered him a brand ambassador contract. Well, now it looks like Atlas is there, and you know, I, I you know, how much is authentic? How much is for business? Who knows, but obviously there was a void that was left when Darren Young left uh, for an openly gay male wrestler on the roster that a lot of people feel is uh, unduly not filled right now. Uh, not to say Jake was brought in as a, a token or anything by that stretch. Jake is an incredible wrestler. Go find his work on the indies. I was actually hoping to get an interview with him before he signed, but it looks like they beat me to the punch. Uh, he's an incredible wrestler, but I do see a little bit of the uh, of a good PR move here for them, especially with AEW uh, trying to move in and show themselves as being more inclusive as compared to WWE.
0: Well, and the trick here would be also, you know, speaking of Darren Young, I, I still think it's shocking that he has not found his way back to that company um, or anywhere really, because he's a, he's a great guy. If you've ever talked to him, a great talent. But with this case in particular, the key here is you can't make it a big deal. Uh, you can't make it seem like we're hiring him and you shouldn't right? You not that you yeah. can't make it seem like that. You it's not the right thing to do, right? It's awesome that you're hiring, Um, somebody who is openly gay but more importantly you're hiring a great wrestler and i think it'd be cool if he was or whoever would be the first openly gay wwe champion Uh, but i think the trick here and AEW knows this is you've got to treat them all the same way it's kind of like what they've been doing with the women in recent weeks i hope that carries over here and i do hope that this does not turn out to be some kind of token hire as you said
1: Uh, Well, WWE has announced their first ever weekly podcast series, After the Bell. It's going to launch next Wednesday, October 30th. It's going to be hosted by Corey Graves. It is the first of the new uh, WWE Podcast Network shows. Uh, Graves said of the new podcast, After the Bell will deliver unprecedented unprecedented access to the biggest WWE superstars and storylines week in and week out. No other podcast can say that. Yeah, trust me. Not
0: even 83 weeks or
1: 83 days. <laughs> yeah, man, you know. Uh, no other podcast could say that. As WWE's first podcast, we have the responsibility to ask the burning questions, and it's going to be a wild ride. Um, hmm, um, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I hear the show. I'm interested to see what some of these burning questions are, how burning they are, yeah. so to speak. But there you uh, go. Did you
0: expect Kevin Owens to be the surprise partner last night? Oh, man. Woof. Tough. <laughs>
1: uh, Kenny Omega and Phoenix, they met uh, at Saturday night's AAA Heroes Immortales uh, 13 event where Omega hit the one-winged angel on Phoenix to become the new AAA Mega Champion. AEW and AAA formed a working partnership back in February with the two sides trading talent uh, on each other's shows. Of course, Omega is going to take on Jon Moxley at Full Gear. Uh, the Bucks have said... Um, I think it was in the press scrum two shows ago that they don't foresee. I think it, it may have been in. It may have been at the first AEW Dynamite one. No, it was at whatever the last pay per view they did was. Uh, Fighter Fest was that the last? No, pa- uh, no double was, or nothing. Um, all double or nothing. No, All Out. All Out. Yeah, it was. Man, ugh, I got a stack of tickets here on my desk. All Out. Uh, and All Out. Yeah, they said because that was where they they had the AAA tag titles on the line with the Lucha Brothers. It all out. Yep. Right. They had said that they thought that that was the last time that we would see AAA titles being defended because they were going to try to establish their titles. So I don't know that we'll see Kenny bring this title with him to AEW. But um, as everything's changing around right now and these international relationships are becoming more and more important, I don't think it's out of the question that we see Kenny show up with this AAA title on Dynamite this week.
0: I don't think it is either. I think it'd actually be weird if they didn't lean into that a little bit. Yeah, and, and this partnership makes a lot of sense for them too. AAA is a is an awesome organization, and it brings a different style to AEW It helps them stand out and reaches a different audience.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, just food for thought, something to note. Um, Justin Roberts on the AEW notes, by the way, uh, he is officially uh, he has announced he's officially signed his AEW quote unquote contract. Get it? K H A N <laughs> Tony Contract. <laughs> So Justin Roberts, I, that's a little. The only thing surprising me about this is he's been so active and involved without a contract. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: yeah, I guess they were paying him week to week. It seems strange you wouldn't hire hire that out show to yeah. show. Who knows? He's good. I'm glad Justin Roberts landed here. Just for the record, great great guy. WWE was a fool to lose him. So it's fantastic.
1: He brings so much to the live shows. He really does. He always looks yeah. really put together, wide eyed, very excited, visibly. Yeah. Um, all right. And lastly here, we're going to talk about Impact Wrestling. Bound for Glory was this past weekend here in my backyard of Chicago. Uh, Saturday night, they had uh, their All Glory show, but I did not go to All Glory, even though we're going to talk about a couple notes. I instead went to the Scarlet Bar in Boystown, Chicago to go watch the uh, Kiera Hogan Aurora Gasmic drag show. The interview you're going to hear in a little bit uh, is from before that show. And Michael, I have never been to a drag show. Have you?
0: Well, I went to a community. Sh- I went to see um, uh, what was it called? Um, Hairspray. I, I've been no, I've been to a theater show that was a drag show.
1: Okay, this was an authentic Boys Town Chicago drag show, and Michael, gotcha. Michael, I have Legend to...
0: of Georgia McBride. That's what it was. Which is the middle half of the show is literally a drag show for all these characters. So anyway, okay, close okay, enough.
1: okay, all right. I got to tell you, if you get the chance to go to, I would particularly recommend the Scarlet Bar drag show hosted by Aurora Gasmick. Um, It was some of the most fun I've had in my entire life. Uh, I brought my girlfriend Liz. She was very excited that my pro wrestling contacts finally resulted in her (laughs) going to something she really was excited for, which is the drag show. Um, Dude, it was not just Kira Hogan that was there. Gail Kim was there. Uh, Eddie Edwards was there. Alicia Edwards was there um and it was a total blast uh shots dancing gail kim what a delight uh wore these wonderful rainbow colored pants that were just grabbing everyone's attention um it was a very cool show and i was glad eddie edwards was there too because i didn't really know how to dress for a drag show i felt i was going to look like (laughs) a real like the only dude there (laughs) no eddie 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 made me feel very comfortable that we were both the bros in that bar that night even though we had a that's awesome Great, great time. Anyway, I had to put that And I
0: over. think it's cool that Impact is like – I mean, all these Impact stars are kind of rallying around different things that just feel very different than what you see from any other pro wrestling <laughs> organization right now. Like This is like a, a strange thing for all these Impact stars to be at. It's um, strange as an unexpected is what I mean. Um, but they, they do it, and it's just – it just it feels cool, and I think it's um, Dude. it's a good call for them.
1: hard to not feel cool taking shots and, and ripping up the dance floor with Gail Kim, right? Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. a blast. Not that I was That's dancing all. with Gail. She was doing her own thing. I was dancing with Bliss. But it was really fun. It was a lot of, it Humble a lot bride, of fun. Humble right, right? Oh, it I was, get to dance with Gail. Of, we had a lot of fun. And also, uh, Impact's PR guy, Ross Foreman, was there. Great guy. Thank you, Ross. You're a wonderful host. Uh, I'll say that. <laughs> all right. Um Newly signed. All This is all Impact news here. Newly signed NXT talent, Shotzi Blackheart. She lost in the opening dark match before Bound for Glory to Madison Rain. Um I a lot of positive things to say about, I thought, Bound for Glory. But man, did it not set a tone for the night that a newly signed WWE talent showed up in the dark match, which I'm guessing she was already booked for the show. And they said she could still appear as long as she's not on the pay-per-view. It was, oh, a, yeah. very, it was a very, it was just like a nice little thing to set the tone for the night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, A.C. Romero, uh, large gentleman from the indies. Uh, He competed at all glory, a very talented uh, performer. He was offered an impact contract on the spot in the ring by Scott at Saturday show. Uh, he accepted. He signed it. It's a three year deal. Um, I t- I talked to people about this. Everyone legit. AC legitimately did not know DeMore was going to get in the ring and offer him the contract. I heard that AC actually like asked Scott, is this real or is this a story? <laughs> and Scott was like, no, you've earned this contract if you would like to sign it. Um, I wouldn't have signed it in the ring. I'd have taken it to the back. Just saying. But whatever. Um, AC signed the contract. He's there for three years. He appeared in the X Division ladder match um he took a fall off this ladder to the outside through a wooden table it was uh, a mesmerizing thing to watch a man of that size take that fall so definitely yes. rec- recommend that uh, ace austin won the impact exhibition championship i know a lot of people wanted tessa blanchard to win it here ace austin he's the one in this match who needed this big win i thought everybody else was very well positioned going into it same going out of it but ace really needed this win he's a, he's a great talent ace austin i like him a lot
0: Yeah, and it's a smart booking here, too, right? I mean, again, they're doing the right thing for the right talent, and it sets up future stuff. So I like this. Again, Impact does a lot of smart things. I think they get overlooked in the news cycle, but uh, Ace Austin winning here is cool.
1: Um, They had their Call Your Shot gauntlet match, which was basically a a mini Royal Rumble. Uh, Joey Ryan confirmed um, uh, right before the show or during the show that he has officially signed a multi-year Impact contract. He appeared in the Call Your Shot gauntlet match in a five-man dick flip, eliminating two men. I love wrestling. Um, he said the great thing about this uh, Impact contract, he tweeted this out, is he gets to keep all his indie dates, and Impact is going to let him be him. Huge get, man, especially yep. especially right now. They got Joey Ryan. And I don't know if it's that Impact didn't. I know that Tony Khan said he didn't like the penis druids from All In, which surprised me. I don't know if that if they maybe doesn't like the gimmick, whatever it may be. I'm not sure. But Joey Ryan didn't wind up in AEW. He wound up in Impact. That's very impressive. You know,
0: and especially for a guy who earlier said he was going to be an indie guy, right? He gets to keep the indie
1: dates. That's um, a big, big name here for Impact. So smart move. Another big name that was there, Kylie Ray, former AEW star who left the promotion. We still don't really know what was going on there, but she appeared in the Call Your Shot gauntlet match. She was also at All Glory the night before. I have reached out to find out if she has signed or not. I haven't heard back, which makes me think that she has not signed, that this was a one-off. But still, Impact Wrestling here, putting up some numbers on the board, I thought, with this show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Quiet, quiet but deadly, right? Kylie Ray,
1: yeah. Ace Austin getting the top I mean, this is all um, big stuff. Joey Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Edwards won that match. He'll get a, a title shot, any title shot he wants here, whatever he wants, I, I think here pretty soon. Uh, Ken Shamrock, I got to see Shamrock in action against Moose. He beat Father Time in this match. He started the bout off with a big dive over the top rope. It was insane to watch this man at 55 move the way he did. Would welcome more Ken Shamrock.
0: Oh god that that dive if you've not seen it go out of your way to find it it's on it's got to be on YouTube or Twitter or wherever I'm sure you'll find it but it was um it's crazy Ken Shamrock is in a different space right now and it really shows with what he's doing in the ring
1: uh Brian Cage he retained in the main event the Impact Wrestling Championship de- defeating Sami Zayn so he's still their poster boy for the time being which I think is a smart move as well heading into the new TV show uh, our new TV spot. And lastly here from Impact Wrestling News, Ethan Page announced over the weekend that I- Impact Wrestling is going to do a one-night show, WrestleMania weekend, called TNA. Impact Wrestling has confirmed it. Page is teasing the return of classic TNA matches, classic TNA wrestlers. Uh, on that announcement, the Young Bucks shared a photo of themselves in TNA, to which De- Scott DeMoore extended an invite to them to come back. Um mm. Man, Impact did all the right things here. Getting Joey, bringing in Kylie, who AEW's you know trying to be cool with and everything. Um, and uh, you know, I think that I think that there's a shot that the Young Bucks come in here and, and play around an Impact Wrestling sandbox WrestleMania weekend.
0: That'd be awesome. And especially if you're going to resurrect an old feud like this. But they mentioned Motor City Machine Guns, right? We're talking about some of the glory days
1: of TNA. Well, Motor City Machine Guns, they shared photos last night where they were at the WWE Performance Center over the weekend. So I don't really the Motor City. I didn't put that in the run sheet here. I don't know why it didn't pop up, but they might be heading to to WWE. And so I don't know that uh, I don't know that we'll see them, but definitely maybe Ethan, maybe the North versus the Young Bucks, you know?
0: Just to see Generation Me come out now at this point would be a a phenomenal moment in pro wrestling, right?
1: you got to go get Lisa Marie, Victoria. Oh, my gosh. My guest at this time has been a standout and independent pro wrestling for over a decade. He now hosts his own podcast, Iron On Wrestling, which is available via all major podcast platforms. It is my former commentary buddy, Gregory Iron. Greg, welcome back, or welcome to The Winkley. Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: It's been too long since we had a uh, conversation, a little bit of banter amongst each other.
1: We had good chemistry at Black Label Pro, man. You know, we were we were good. We were a real thing.
2: I, I think so. I think so. And we were just getting in the groove of things before it all kind of, I don't know, fell apart. I guess fell apart is not the right word, but.
1: You know, like whatever. I blew, well, it was it was me. I flew too close to the sun, and that's a story for another day. And I don't want to get it off track, but okay. I, that was that was my fault. That was what happened with me. Podcast for another day. Okay. Uh, All right. Anyway, you're wonderful, Greg. Uh, I'm very excited to chat with you. Um, and uh, and uh, I'm excited for the listeners here to get to know you, Greg. You're a very interesting guy. Before we get into some more topical questions and things of that nature, can you real briefly tell? the listeners out there a little bit about your backstory and kind of how you got into pro wrestling
2: well i was born with cerebral palsy which is a neurological disorder that affects the way the right side of my body works it's uh particularly noticeable in my right arm hand fingers and wrist um cerebral palsy varies in different people some people have it more severe Uh, i got lucky It's it's a very mild case of cerebral palsy it happened either before or after I was born uh, but it wasn't really found until 11 months and even at that point they didn't diagnose it as cerebral palsy they just told my parents I had a stroke it wasn't until I was about 11 or 12 that um, I was actually diagnosed with cerebral palsy but um, yeah I mean it's something I just had to deal with my whole life and I before I got into school I thought I was just a normal kid I liked all the normal kid stuff at the time, you know, growing up in the late 80s and early 90s. I was a big Ninja Turtle guy and Power Rangers guy, and I liked all the Saturday morning cartoons and reading comic books, and I just thought I was a normal kid. And then I got in school, and I had to deal with bullying, and Mm -hmm. uh, that was a problem. And then my home life wasn't the best. My mom and dad were constantly at odds. And so for me, my one escape became this thing that I found on television every Saturday morning called Superstars of Wrestling. And when I saw Hulk Hogan, uh, actually my grandma was the one that got me into it. Yeah. When I saw Hulk Hogan and some of these larger in life characters, like Macho Man and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, I, I, just, I just got caught up in it and it didn't matter how bad things were going at school or at home. If I can watch wrestling, everything was going to be okay. And I never really even considered being a pro wrestler because of my disability. And it wasn't until I saw Zach Allen in 2003 on SmackDown wrestling with one leg that I thought to myself maybe this is a possibility. So I started some weight training. I did some research. I started following independent wrestling a little bit through the, uh, after magazines and saw some ring of honor stuff and eventually discovered Cleveland, all pro wrestling in Cleveland, where I'm from. And, the rest is kind of history. I started selling tickets, got my foot in the door that way. Yeah. And uh, I got the courage to begin training in 2006.
1: That's so cool because you and Zach, you know, became the handicap heroes, right? Awesome tag team. That's awesome that you, like, he inspired you and you guys got to go on and, like, have meaningful, like, memories and moments in the ring together.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it, it almost didn't happen because the first time I met Zach, uh in october of 2006 on a cleveland all pro show i was super excited to meet him sure. i wanted to pick his brain because i was still i was still just getting into the groove of the wrestling thing and trying to figure out like how, how do you make wrestling with a disability work so i obviously i wanted feedback from the guy that inspired me to be a wrestler and i remember he was at the show Man. and uh the first thing he was doing was like talking about how he to, to, to anyone that would listen that he beat the big show and i was like uh he's just kind of coming off as like a like a dickhead and uh and i pulled him aside for some advice and i was trying to tell him my situation and he said yeah i said what what do i do to make this work and he said well what are you doing right now i said i'm wrestling and i'm training and blah 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 and he goes yeah keep doing that and that was pretty much it and he kind of like brushed me off and wow i was it was almost like in disbelief like almost trying to convince myself like, oh, he wasn't being mean. He'd maybe just busy. Maybe he's preoccupied. But then like the more like sank in as like, like a couple days passed. I was like, wow, Zach Allen really didn't help me. And it was kind of a dick. And uh, <laughs> I, I kind of held on, I kind of held on to that for a little bit. And it wasn't until, uh, uh, I would always do, sh- I would always do shows. And when promoters would know my situation, they would, uh, say, oh, we would love to team you up with Zach Allen. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one would ever do it. And Zach was like, In and out. Basically, (laughs) what I didn't understand at the time when I met Zach, he was heavily addicted to drugs, and um, oh,
1: okay, never mind, that's not
2: me. He was a different guy, you know what I mean? So then, eventually, in 2010, a promoter finally ended up teaming us together, and it just so happened that it was the first match that Zach Gowan had out of rehab, and he was like, it was total 180. It was a different guy, and a year later, I don't cross paths with him again. But I end up doing some podcasts because my story comes to notoriety thanks to a public endorsement by CM Punk and Cole Cabana. Yeah, I'm doing some podcasts, and I happen to mention on one of them how Zach was kind of mean to me. And through someone, he ended up getting my phone number, calling me, and said, "Like, yo, like, your story made me cry. I didn't understand like the impact I was having in WWE, and I, I didn't realize that I was so mean to you when we met. And like, I, you know, I hope that you can forgive me, and maybe at some point we can." become friends and maybe team up some places and huh. that was kind of the start of it like that's how it all began and, and it was just one of those things where um zach didn't realize it when he was a kid or, or when he was in wwe rather that while i was watching him on tv as a kid he was inspiring me to become a wrestler and i didn't realize it as he's going through this struggle with alcohol addiction and drug addiction that he needed to see someone like me to continue on his path as a pro wrestler and give him wow. and the encouragement to keep going so it's, it's it's pretty nice because you just you can't write
1: stories like that. That's wow! That is crazy because yeah, I had a chance to work with Zach a little bit in the in the Midwest, and he was always really nice. And I was like, that's why I yeah. laughed so hard when you say he was a dick. I can't I can't imagine. He's like he's like so gentle. I don't know. He's like yeah, a really nice person. Yeah, he's 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 such
2: a different dude now, man. Especially now he's got two kids and a wife, and it's like um, the Zach Allen of twenty nineteen is. Much, much more different than the Zach Allen of 2006. I can tell you that right now. Wow.
1: Um, well, um, let's uh, let's slow down real fast. So I want to ask you about your podcast in just a second, but you know, I want to touch on you getting into wrestling and when you were training and any and things like that. How how different was it for you? What were the hurdles like um, having cerebral palsy and and learning how to be a pro wrestler? Were there any?
2: Well, it, it's funny when that gets brought up because for me initially there wasn't really concern there wasn't a big concern for me about having the disability. The big concern for me was because, you know, it's something I lived with all my life. So I kind of sort of know how, knew how to navigate it when it came to real life situations. My concern was I never did anything athletic in my life. Like I never had the desire to play sports or anything. Like I would sometimes play like, baseball with my friends, but like I was the kid that would get got picked last. And if I got on base, like it was like a miracle and stuff. So like I, I was just concerned that like, I wasn't going to have that, an athletic bone in my body. Um, but as I began training, uh, my original trainer, JT lightning would kind of always pose these challenges with me. And he would kind of say like, you know, today I'm going to teach you this basic maneuver. It's a collar and elbow tie up. And if you can't do this, then I can't continue training you. And looking back on it, I feel like he was probably psyching me out because most wrestling trainers like they're skis balls. And if you have the money, they will train you. They'll keep stealing your money. Um, but he told me that he wasn't going to do it if I couldn't figure out how to do things. So I kind of had to pose, look at the situation as like, well, I got to figure out a way to do this. If I can't do it the conventional way, I got to make it make sense. So after I'd figure out a collar and elbow tie up, it would be okay. I'm going to teach you an arm dragon. If you can't do an arm drag, then I can't train you. And it just kind of kept going down that, that path. And I would figure out a way to do it because I wanted to be a wrestler that bad. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things too, where people ask me like, well, how do you wrestle with cerebral palsy? How do you wrestle with one arm? And uh, my answer is kind of, I, I'm I've never wrestled with two, so I don't <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know. You know, yeah. like it's it's just the only thing I know. It's like when you have um, an obstacle or a disability or a limitation, you just naturally figure out ways to adapt and then once you've adapted you know you don't think twice about it i mean like nick you having two arms like the way you do certain things the way you carry certain things like it's it's second nature you don't think about it and for me it's the same thing with one hand like if i'm carrying a box i just know that i'm gonna carry the box regular with my left hand and then i'm gonna kind of grip the other side of it with my the side of my arm and my hand you know like that's just how i do things i don't even think about it and that's kind of how it is with pro wrestling
1: Well, let's talk about your podcast finally as we get to this. I just think you're such an interesting guy, Greg. I want everybody to know you and love you. You're awesome. Um, (laughs) Thanks so much. So, why now? Why is now the time to launch the Iron On Wrestling podcast?
2: Uh, You know, I don't know. I don't know if it's the perfect timing. And this has been something I've been rolling around my brain for a while. So, it kind of started a little over a year ago when I did steve austin's podcast in los angeles really and cool. Cool. i did initially two episodes with him and one of the things he told me we, we we struck up a friendship basically and we would he would kind of um put it out there like hey if you ever need anything give me a call and i don't know arguably the greatest wrestler of all times extending that sort of friendship and is willing to like listen to you and, and give you feedback on things like you're kind of an idiot if you don't take that advice so I took him up on the offer and I would call him and i talked talk to him about stuff. And one of the things he said about the feedback from the first two episodes we did together was, you know, he could see people that were listening could see me interviewing Steve. And I felt that in the moment when I was working with Steve, because it just, I don't know, it was weird. You'd think I'd be intimidated, but it felt like I'd known stone cold Steve Austin, my whole life sitting with him in his house. It just came natural. And for the first time ever, my, somewhat pointless wrestling knowledge that i've consumed and and stored to memory over the past 33 years it actually came in handy with stone cold and uh basically he was the one that suggested you know like why why don't you try to start a podcast i was like "Ah, i don't know everyone does it and a year later you know i i was dealing with some people and someone had heard me do the steve austin podcast and i told them this idea that Steve had a year ago and they were willing to invest in equipment for me. And they said, just give it a shot. And I guess in a way um, I think one of the pioneers in wrestling podcast is Cole Cabana and he's kind of slowing down when it comes to the podcasting. 100%. And right now I'm doing a lot of interviews on top of a nice little intro with my co-host Aaron Bauer. We just kind of rant about road stories and like what I've been doing this weekend, what I've got coming up, we've been doing a lot of interview format and that's something that Cabana did all the time. And there's these great guys, uh, young and old, uh, new and, and seasoned that uh, are on the independent scene now that might not have ever got the chance to sit down with Cabana. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that I'm going to fill Cabana shoes because those are some big shoes to, to fill. But if I can take some of my notoriety that I've accumulated over the last 13 years and I can shine a spotlight on some of the stories that you may have heard with, with some new tidbits from these people that, you've never heard in interviews before like Johnny Gargano and Kimberly, where I try to pull stuff out of them that you're not hearing in every other interview. But I like to also shine a spotlight on some of the guys that are on the rise like Kurt Stallion and and Cody Lane and and guys like that. I want to, I just want to, I want to help other people because I love pro wrestling. And I think that's what pro wrestling is all about. It's helping each other,
1: man. That's, you know, that's really cool. You are the guy to pick up that mantle from cabana. You really are. You're, you're the perfect mold and you've got the perfect personality for this. I totally see it. I totally get it now. And you know, you say you're putting a spotlight on people. Well, I'm glad that you could put a spotlight, help your friend, Johnny Gargano out there by giving him some time. (laughs) Um, talk. yeah, I know. He's not good. He's not good enough, brother. Yeah, of course. That's <laughs> it. I'm going to try to put a spotlight on the indie guys that deserve attention. So here's Johnny Gargano.
2: Well, you know, it's one of those things where like Johnny's my best friend and like I, I, we're like brothers more than friends. And I know, again, it goes back to, you know, I know enough about what he's talked about in interviews and what he hasn't. And it's one of those things where it's like, I'm, I don't want to give you the same old interview that you're going to hear with every Johnny Gargano interview you might download. I don't want to talk necessarily about NXT or his feud with Tommaso. Like I want to talk about his roots in independent wrestling and, and some of his best road stories. And I want to talk about psychology. That's something I want to talk with a lot of, a lot with guys, because I feel like not a lot of wrestlers want to talk about that or go into depth on like how they structure a match or like stories behind a match. So uh, in the first couple episodes, that's what I talk with Johnny about. I talk a lot about psychology and his early days in independent wrestling and also, Uh, we talk about how, like how much he enjoyed Shawn Michaels and Triple H as a fan, some of his favorite matches and memories, and then segue that into how did that grow and bud into a relationship where now he's, he's friends with those guys and they (laughs) see him as like an equal. I mean, I think that's an interesting story that no one else has talked about. So I want to cover stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you know, and what was it like being ringside there when he won the title in in New York in that two out of three falls match? I, I we all saw you. You were on. You're Johnny's friend, I think, is how you're identified, or something like that. <laughs> I wasn't identified as
2: Johnny's Johnny's friend. Those sons of bitches at WWE never <laughs> even bothered to ask me what they should label me as. But regardless, it was uh it was surreal and it was emotional. And I, I I've told several people that I feel like in moments like that, you either remember it in a blur. Or you see everything in that moment and for me I saw everything and and as Johnny was standing up above me on the chair holding up the NXT title and knowing the struggles that he's personally and professionally gone through to get to that point I remember looking at him and thinking to myself man Johnny has a lot of back hair and he really should have shaved that (laughs) Because I'm sure the HD cameras can pick that up. You know, he's Italian. Like, these are just, they're growing in long and thick. He really should have took care of that. I mean, it's the biggest weekend of his career. That's what I was thinking in that moment. But I was definitely proud of him. I mean, he worked hard for it. It was was an incredible thing.
1: Now, how about you though? Right, like Johnny's there and he's like an XT champion. I mean, you're you know uh, you're great in the ring. You've totally you know who Gregory Iron is. The light bulbs have gone off. Like, is that a is are is there interest from them for you? I mean, what have you ever tried out for them? What's what's WWE's vibe on Gregory Iron?
2: Uh, I I did some camps for OVW back in the day when you could actually pay for those things because even back in like 2010 and 11, uh, it was one of those things where because of my I don't I don't want to say it's because of my disability but I have I had the perception that because of my size and my situation that unless I put myself out there and paid the money I wasn't going to get that shot and I I talked to some higher ups like Johnny Ace back at that time and nothing ever came of it and then a couple of years later there was some interest from Impact and there were rumors abuzz buzz that I was going to get signed there in fact one of the guys that worked there at the time messaged me one night on Facebook and said, Hey, congratulations. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, uh, I thought you were signed to TNA. And I said, no, he's like, Oh, okay. You didn't hear anything from me. Cause I heard Jeff Jarrett and, and Dave Lagana talking about you. And then I messaged Dave Lagana, you know, sold me and like nothing ever came of it. And it's just like, it's one of those things where mm. now, um, I think the best thing about me and the reason why I should have an opportunity with WWE is because I have cerebral palsy. And it's a unique unique story, and I think the one thing that's stopping me from being in WWE is that I have cerebral palsy, (laughs) and and it's a it's a fine line. It's not WWE like discriminating. I think it's a matter of for every ten thousand people that will be inspired by my story, there'll be one asshole that will see me and go, "Well, how can you beat up a guy with cerebral palsy?" And in my mind, it's not a matter of I'm the wrestler with cerebral palsy. I'm a pro wrestler. That just happens to have cerebral palsy. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, makes sense to me. That's
2: that. That that's how I view myself. So I I don't know, I don't know if WB will ever be in the cards. And I know some of the top top guys know who I am right now. Um, I think AEW could be a possibility. I think Impact could be a possibility. WB's always been the dream. Um, but you know, at this point in my life, I'm 33. I've been doing this 13 years. Um, what I want more than anything is. A, the ability to make a comfortable living doing the thing that I love. And right now I'm doing that on the independent level. I'd like to increase that budget a little bit and be signed to a company. That's something I've always wanted. And as long as I can do that and create and um, tell stories through my physical movements and through my promos or even like a backstage role, like behind the scenes, you know, just helping as an agent or something, like as long as I can contribute to the art of wrestling, I will be a happy man. That's that's all I want, Nick.
1: Yeah, no, I I feel that man. I think you should be there. I don't know why you're not. That's a, that's like my. That's a, I'm glad you gave me that answer. Um, I want. I,
3: I I appreciate that.
1: We uh, you know, uh, I kind of want to. I have to while I've got you here and we're giving people the Gregory Iron experience. Uh, I have to, of course. You know, we brought up Cabana before. I got to go back to 2011 uh, in Chicago where Punk and Cabana like put you over. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that night. What do you remember from that night? And. uh, yeah, what was that experience like, I guess, for the for the people that may not know what happened that night? Uh,
2: it, it was it was surreal. I mean, it, it wasn't anything I expected or planned for. In fact, at that point in my life, I had lost my my real job, which was I worked retail in a tool store, and it was a situation where they had always get given me weekends off for wrestling. And there were several management changes and the management at that time, I didn't think I needed weekends off anymore. And the manager confronted me with basically an ultimatum of, um, it's your job or your dream. And (laughs) we had uh, an exchange of words and I picked my dream. And so then I was out of a job that was kind of supporting this wrestling habit. At that point, I wasn't making a lot of money. And for the first time I remember going into that booking in Chicago, I was contemplating canceling the booking because just, I I knew that I was going to make a little bit money to, pay my portion of the way to get there because i was traveling with some guys but i didn't want to be the guy that was like borrowing for money or asking for you know a handout or something so i was i was contemplating canceling the booking until ricky shane page contacted me and said hey danny daniels the promoter wants to know if you're still going to be at the show and i said yeah and i was lying through my teeth because i knew i was going to figure out a way to cancel he said okay because you're teaming with cabana for the tag belts And that didn't make any sense to me because I never did anything more than a dark match at AAW in Chicago. So now I thought to myself, well, I can't miss this opportunity. And I borrowed 50 bucks from my little brother, and it got me to Chicago. And when I got there, I I called the match with Cabana. I had saw CM Punk in the locker room that day. Yeah, shook his hand. He he looked looked at me like he knew.
1: Current WWE champion. He was the current WWE champion CM Punk, right?
2: He was the current WWE champion. Yeah, it was it was uh we were just six days removed from money in the bank and Ugh. at the time he was trying to make things go viral. And little did I know because and this is something I tell young guys, you never know when asking for advice or for someone to watch a match how that's going to stick with someone. And Cabana was always the guy that I went to for advice because I wanted to get better and I respected him. And I had no idea that Cabana held on to that information. And when the time came with punk and he was looking for things to go viral cabana shared my story with punk and that night in chicago when i was in the ring after i teamed with cabana he went to the back and he grabbed punk and punk was in the ring and i thought i was going to be in the background of this WWE championship storyline and he got on the mic and said you're effing awesome and i just started crying because um it was a culmination of my entire life every struggle that i ever been through uh professionally personally anybody who's ever made fun of me or put me down put down my dream like if it would have ended that night it would have all been fine because like on that night the greatest wrestler in the world told me that i was awesome and my hard work was like looked upon as like you know i i I was successful and uh i i asked cabana after the fact like you know why did you do this and uh he said consider it a gift and now it's your job to run with this gift and I never forgot that. And sometimes I feel like I could have ran a little harder than I have over the last seven years since that. But uh, in general, I think I've, I've taken that ball and I've, I've done some things with it. And I'm very proud of the things that I've accomplished. And, and, and it all goes back to taking that first step back in 2006 and facing that fear of failure and the potential of not being athletic or not being good enough, taking a risk to fail on myself. And um, I can't imagine how my life would have turned out if I would have been scared and, and walked away from that opportunity
1: got a lot of great stories, Greg. Very excited for you and your podcast. You You got, you're a very interesting guy. You're a nice guy. You're a funny guy. A lot of good things to say about Greg. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Greg, uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, What do you want to plug, promote, put over here to, to end the interview?
2: Well, I think the big thing to promote is the podcast. Uh, We're four episodes deep right now. There's some, uh, good content in the archives with johnny gargano kimberly and kurt stallion and actually next wednesday which is when the podcast drops every wednesday i'm gonna have some exclusive content from a conversation that i had with one stone cold steve austin about a year ago it was unused footage from my documentary with stone cold that i did in la back in october and we were originally supposed to record an episode of the steve austin show and it didn't go off on the right foot and then i just kind of went off on a tangent asking him questions stuff that i kind of sort of prepared to ask him but he didn't know and uh we go into a little bit of a banter that um again it's content that i've never heard steve talk about and i think it's going to be very interesting to the Mm -hmm. listeners uh i think it's about 20 minutes in length but there'll also be a nice little intro with me and aaron telling some side stories about stone cold and some other stuff going on i think it'll be a good episode so i think you should Like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you download podcasts, Iron On Wrestling. Follow at Iron On Wrestling on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And, of course, you can follow me at Gregory Iron on Twitter, at Gregory underscore Iron on Instagram. And you can follow me at Gregory Iron on Facebook. Boom.
1: It's me, Nick Hausman for Wrestling Inc. here on Halstead in Chicago, Illinois, the night before bound for glory impact wrestling i'm joined right now by the one and only one of the lead knockouts for impact wrestling Kira hogan kira uh thank you so much and would you like to introduce everybody here to to your friend that we're standing with
4: oh my god you guys i'm so excited this is bound for glory weekend like you said uh we are here on my coming out tour and this is the final night right before my speech tomorrow at the center on hall set i am here at scarlet bar with Aurora, Gosmic. Oh. It is my first ever drag show here at Scarlet Bar, and I'm so excited! I can't wait.
1: Now are you? Are you a big fan of? you watch Drag Race? You into drag culture? Oh, yeah, I'm
4: into the drag culture. I watch it on YouTube a lot. I wasn't into like the show, but I always catch the uh, YouTube clips from RuPaul's Drag Race, and okay. I'm just so excited to be here. It's my first show, so I'm just excited to see a live show.
1: Wonderful, at Aurora, yeah. How do you feel having a bunch of wrestlers here at Scarlet Bar, partaking in uh, you know your your
3: show tonight that you're hosting with Kira? I never thought when I started a show I'd have a bunch of wrestlers here like being a part of it and I'm really excited because I think female wrestling is amazing and it they almost do exactly what we do they put on a character they put on costumes and adjust as much makeup as me and get up there and perform for everybody so I'm excited for it tonight. Are you gonna, are you gonna be throwing punches out there? Is it gonna get like physical I guess I'm saying? I mean I hope I get clotheslined I'm kind of ready for it oh. so if you want to take me down Let's do it.
4: (laughs) Never know. (laughs) Never
3: know. So, Kira, this is, I read this is part
1: of your coming out party, right? So, tell me a little bit about that. What is is this coming out party?
4: Um, So, I had a post that I made at the end of Pride Month, um, and then a month later I came out and said that I was dating one of my fellow wrestlers, uh, Diamante, uh, my lovely girlfriend who I got to speak to right before I dropped the hockey puck at the Chicago Wolves game annual. Their first Pride night, by the way, which was amazing. I'm still speechless on all the things that I've done so far, and... Like I said, this is just a stop on the tour. This is one of the last stops, and then we have that last one, and then it's on to Bound for Glory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell me
1: a little bit about your decision. Why now? Why did you – what What made you feel like now is the time to come out?
4: Well, I just feel like now I've been so true, and I feel so happy, and I feel so uh, almost thrilled and a sense of freedom to be able to share that I'm dating a, a girl, let alone a fellow wrestler, a co-worker, a peer. Yeah. Um, she just made me feel so happy, and she made me feel so loved and so open and so easy that I just wanted to share with the world. I couldn't contain myself. That's, how do you, Aurora,
1: how do you feel when you hear that story?
3: It's amazing to see someone that is like in the public eye and an athlete, coming out and really showing like who they are because it's very important to have like queer visibility and like mainstream media yeah. so I'm like really proud of you because that's awesome <laughs> that is really awesome and I'm excited to have you here and being part of something that is like so uh so new to you especially because you've never even been to a show so I'm really excited to kind of show you what this world is yeah, about I'm so
1: excited <laughs> <laughs> um, alright I'll wrap it up by saying Bound for Glory tomorrow but then starting Tuesdays Impact Wrestling is going to Access TV. How do you feel about it? What's your mindset? Are you getting a lot of pressure right now? Where, where, where are you at?
4: Well, I don't want to brag or anything, but tonight, me and Adrenaline, aka Diamante, aka my girlfriend, debuted as a tag team tonight on Access TV on Wow Superheroes. So it's awesome that uh, Impact is moving to Access this week because this week for me alone it's been crazy so it's just one thing after another and it just keeps adding to the excitement yeah I'll
1: ask you would you like to see some some cross between Wow and uh, impact wrestling now that you guys are sharing the same network
4: oh yeah definitely I would love to see some crossovers especially like with the women and like women's wrestling becoming such a forefront I think it just adds more fuel to the fire
1: Michael, thank you so much for the supersized edition of the Winkley here to start the week. A lot of news to get through here. I'm really glad uh, you stuck around and, and didn't run out the door. Or unplug your microphone <laughs> uh, to, to end it early. Tomorrow um, uh, tomorrow's going to be tomorrow. I'll be, back. I'll be back with Justin LaBar talking the news of the day. Uh, two big interviews tomorrow. My interview with Jimmy Corderas. Uh, Jimmy was, of course, a referee in WWE for 20 plus years. He has a lot to say about how to sell. The uh, ref at your discretion nature of AEW, a lot to say. Do not mm. miss tomorrow's episode. This Jimmy Corderas interview is hot fire. Um, and on tomorrow's show, you're also going to hear the latest interview uh, that Brian Wool did from the Impact Wrestling Media Scrum in L.A., this one will be with ECW, WCW, I think WWE. I think he's worked for everybody. Johnny Swinger will be here on the show tomorrow. Jimmy Cordero and Johnny Johnny Swinger. And, of course, the Johnny Swinger interview, that'll go up on YouTube just like the Kira Hogan interview went up on YouTube here today. Um, and, of course, if you like the show, go over to the Wrestling Audio channel on iTunes, you get the Winkly, you get all our post shows and everything in between. Michael, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show today?
0: As always, if you want my up-to-the-minute wrestling predictions, thoughts, punditry, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at TheRealWiseman. And if you want any more wrestling inky setting, I will be back Friday night running social media for Wrestling Inc. And right afterwards, joining um, Matt Morgan and Glenn Rubenstein for the SmackDown Post Game Show right over on the YouTube channel. So check us
1: out. Wunderbar. Uh, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.